Jenner's. So I am a graduate of the class of 2000. I grew up in Marshfield, as we were just t- kind of talking before the podcast began. I uh, graduated and said I'll never come back here. Then I uh, graduated from UMass Amherst, um, lived in Boston for, gosh, 13 years. And my wife and I had our baby girl, Scarlett, who's now nine, and we decided to matriculate back to the South Shore. And we were saying so, ev- um, everyone eventually comes yeah, back. Yeah, everyone eventually comes back, and now here I am. I have an in-law. My mother lives with me. She was in Marshfield. My oldest brother's here. My wife's father's here. My wife's brother. So we get the whole family circle here in town. So take me through your career before you started Generous Wealth Management. So after college, uh, in college, I actually started my own business. I actually called it Generous Productions. I was a DJ at UMass Amherst, and I used to uh, have events, and I DJed at a couple of venues at UMass. So I did very well in college, and then um, some old, like, football connections from my Marshfield High School football days um, got me into Fidelity Investments. So I spent 10 years at Fidelity Investments, and I had the opportunity there to work with um, some of the highest net worth clients, like those with a minimum of $100 million in assets. So it was like the Johnson family that owns Fidelity and, you know, Mark Zuckerberg, the most affluent people in the country. And it was really eye-opening to me. You know, number one, how many people have that much money? And number two, like how they run their wealth and how they run their life. And that's really when I kind of decided, you know, I'm going to become a certified financial planner and I kind of got the entrepreneurial bug. Mm-hmm. So, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I go into the, the branches at Fidelity where you're kind of more on the personal financial mm-hmm. planning side. And the corporate world just, it grew stale to me. Like, yeah. I, I love Fidelity. I love the people I met there, the things that I learned there. But I always felt like they would eventually chew me up and spit me out, right, yeah. when they didn't need me anymore. So I always had an entrepreneurial spirit. I ended up moving on and working with another independent advisor for several years before I kind of broke out on my own and started my firm. Yeah, so what what was the decide? Was there a decision or a deciding fact that made you decide, I'm going to do it myself? You know what? It was it was a couple of things, really, John, that, that brought it up. You know, my wife got cancer in 2018, so that was, you know, that was kind of life-changing. Um, so 2018, by the end of... 2019 she was kind of in full remission she's great she's healthy now but that was a game changer then 2020 hit you know i'm a type 1 diabetic there was a point where it was like don't leave your house you're going to die yeah right and by the end of you know 2021 and even during 2021 you know i was 40 years old at that point you know i'm now 41 i kind of said like you know i've always wanted to start my own firm Mm -hmm. so if i'm ever going to do it it's going to be now, right? I don't want to do this when I'm 55. Like, mm-hmm. I'm young, I'm energetic, I'm hungry. I have the skill set. Mm-hmm. It's going to be now. And I think, you know, the pandemic, my wife's, you know, cancer diagnosis, those are kind of things that changed my perspective on life, but yeah. also kind of drove me to get off and go on my own. Now's the time to yeah. do it, sorry. Yeah, it's, it's now or never. Yeah. And for those who don't know, what is generous wealth management? So, you know, I kind of alluded to the family office space before. So, like, in the, what I noticed with the real affluent um, sex of society, you know, those with $100 million, billion, what they do is they create an office, right? They usually have, like, a CEO or a president who runs their office, and they have dedicated professionals who kind of service the family, right? A dedicated CPA or tax professional, a dedicated investment professional, a de- dedicated maybe real estate professional, subject matter experts who will kind of work in their field, and their goal is all to support the family, right, that they work for. 
So I kind of realized that, you know, everyone has these professionals in their lives, right? Like if you own a home, you probably have an auto insurance and a homeowner, yeah. homeowner's insurance agent. You've probably hit real with an attorney at some point in time. You might have a tax professional. You might have an investment professional. But I've noticed that they don't talk to each other. They all kind of exist in like a silo, right? Like when you do something with your lawyer, he doesn't call your CPA. Or when you do something with your CPA, he doesn't call your investment professional and call your insert in insurance agent, right? So I created Generous Wealth Management to serve as almost like a quarterback, for the average person or for an entrepreneur or a business owner, for a wider array of people to kind of help facilitate their wealth and their planning. Yeah, so kind of go into detail about, like, the services you provide, what you offer in regards to that. So I became a certified financial planner, gosh, probably eight, nine years ago. So that means um, you know, I took six courses to become a certified financial planner over two years, passed a 10-hour exam, and then I became a chartered financial consultant. And now I'm also an enrolled agent with the IRS. So as far as services, you know, retirement planning, business planning, cash flow planning, estate planning, tax planning, tax advice, what I've found in the industry over the years is a lot of times investment professionals and, um, you know, just the industry, they'll say like, oh, give me your assets, right? I'll charge you a fee on those assets. And then I'll give you all these services too. I think it's kind of broken like i'm going a little bit against the grain with the industry where it's like i you don't need to give me your assets i work with people on a consultative basis Um, you know i'm 90 days into my business and i'm growing as much on the monthly subscription or ongoing financial planning basis as i am with the asset under management business so i kind of work as a, a consultant and quarterback for people gathering all their professionals understanding what their priorities are, what their goals are, and then kind of creating a list of, you know, deadlines with the other professionals, priorities for the people that I'm working with. Um, And it varies uh, depending on whether it's a business owner, wealthy individual. Everyone's two people with the same exact assets can have very different objectives. Right. Right. So I try to really take a lot of time to get to know my clients. Mm My, one of my newest clients, I spent 10 hours with them before they became a client. So by the time we sat down and really started formulating a, a kind of a comprehensive mm-hmm. plan, I knew so much about them that it was easier for me to kind of start quarterbacking their situation. So we try to take a lot of time in the beginning to do our due diligence, gather as much data as we can, really understand everyone's situation and what they're trying to accomplish. Now, do all these people already have like a CPA or someone else that they're working not everyone so you know as an enrolled agent now with the irs i am able to give tax advice and do tax preparation and i did that on purpose because what i found in the industry a lot of times is in the financial services industry people will do tax planning and they'll give you all this advice and then they'll say well you should speak with your tax professional and like i've actually spoken to a couple of new clients who came to me for that because they say like well they tell me this but then they tell me to go talk to somebody else like why am I being shuffled yeah. amongst all these professionals? So some people have them, some people don't. Um, what I've been able to do over the 17 years in the industry, I've built a network of professionals, right? So if you need help with taxes or you need legal advice, um, I have subject matter experts I can refer people out to. But if not, then I just work with your existing professional, right? Like for business owners, I find it uh, most beneficial because I'm saving their time. Right. right, like how much time do you want to spend 
talking to this professional, talking to that professional, yeah. whereas I kind of try to funnel all the information through our firm, right. tell us what you need to accomplish, and then do that legwork with all the professionals, whatever it might be. So it's like you're allowing the business owner to actually do their job around the business. Exactly, and not, do what you do best. And, you know, and taking that burden off of them of, you know, outsource and you can out, they outsource it to you yeah like you know i want you, even in my own life you know i've kind of learned this in, in order to, to scale like do what you do best and when possible mm-hmm. outsource the things you have to do but like doing the least mm-hmm. right it's kind of one of the uh secrets of success yeah in this world to kind of maximize your productivity it's it's interesting too because like you know if you're in like business networking groups and stuff like that i talk about spheres of influence and you right. know the idea of you know, you hopefully, you know, if you're in groups like that, the realtor knows the estate, knows the attorney, knows the mortgage broker, that sort of thing. So it is an interesting concept of yeah. having those people on a first name basis that can call each other and work things out when right. stuff goes wrong. Right, so kind of create a team. Mm-hmm. Like you have all the players, yeah, but you haven't built them into a team yet. Right. So that's kind of the role that my firm's trying to play is building that team of professionals yeah. that's working for a single goal rather than they're each creating a separate plan and you're like wait do those two plans intersect mm-hmm. are they going in different directions yeah. well, this person said this this person said yeah. that we're trying to simplify and make a clearer path mm-hmm. for people's life uh, everyone's goals are different but how we get there yeah. um, is going to be unique is it mostly like are most of your clients is it just in, is it individuals or is it businesses is it a mix Right now, you know, again, I'm 90 days right, in. Right, right? So I was approved late March, uh, really got up and running. Well, I can rephrase April. that. What's, what's the goal? Is there a percentage? Like, I'd like to be, you know, 50-50 or? I'm focusing, I don't want to say I'm focusing on, but I think my skill set and the people that need most of the help a lot of the time are entrepreneurs, right? They're really good at what they do. But everything that comes afterwards, the tax return, the investments, picking the different plans, looking at the different insurance coverages, they just don't have the capacity, especially the small business owner, somebody you know making less than $20 million or $50 million in assets, which might sound like a lot, because I have some clients who have much smaller businesses. But until you can build out a comprehensive team, mm-hmm. it takes significant wealth to do that. So we feel like we can do it at a more cost-effective um, way mm-hmm. than having to become a multi-billionaire right. yeah. to be able to build that team of professionals. Wealth management is one of those terms you hear a lot. What does that phrase mean to you? So to me, and I'm even trying to, you know, I think people think of it like financial advisor is the term that most people think of. Yeah. I haven't quite... It's just such a common term. I don't think I can get away from it, but I would like to be known as something else. I'm almost wanted to call myself like a wealth facilitator, right? Because like I'm not there to create wealth, right? People create wealth with their businesses or with you know their work. We're really there to help facilitate it, right? To help it grow and make it, you know, maximize its potential. Um, Right now, I kind of call myself founder and facilitator, right? Because that's really what we're trying right. to do is, right, we're trying to enhance um, what people are already doing um, rather than creating wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm part of this group called the XY Planning Network, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, kind of the founder of that, this guy, Michael Kitsis, he's trying to change it instead of advisors, like advisors. I never like to tell anyone what to do. 
it's more educate them on their options mm -hmm. so that they can make an informed decision. Because it's never a single, like, hey, if you do this, this is the only plan that's going to work. Right. I think there's all, always going to be multiple solutions yeah. to, you know, to problems or to reaching a goal. So I just try to educate people on what options are available to them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, once we get to know each other well enough, I might say, like, hey, option C, I think, is the best fit for you. Mm -hmm. But I want you to understand the pros and the cons yeah. to each of those solutions. Mm -hmm. So you're a certified financial planner and a chartered financial consultant. Those are two titles you talked about earlier. Right. What do those mean? So a certified financial planner, that's an independent organization that, that creates that designation. And it's supposed to be for comprehensive financial planning. So to become a certified financial planner, when I did it, you know, I think it's a little bit different now. But, you know, I had to take intro to financial planning. You had to take tax planning. You had to take estate planning. You had to take investment planning. You had to take retirement planning. These are all courses. Mm -hmm. Then at the end, of, you have to pass all the courses, take final exams. And at the end, you have to take a 10-hour exam, which was, after I took it, I was like, I should have became a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> take a 10-hour exam. It was six hours the first day and four hours the second day. I can say, day. hopefully it's not all 10, 10 hours in one day. Yeah, it was the most comprehensive exam I've ever taken, the hardest test I've ever taken in my life. The Chartered Financial Consultant is a similar designation um, granted by the American College for Financial Planning. So same selection of courses, financial planning, estate planning, right, comprehensive planning, insurance planning, all the things that um, – topics that would in, you'd interact with in your financial mm -hmm. world, right, over the course of your life. The difference is that you, after each subject matter, you just pass, a final, pass the exam for that subject matter. You're going to take seven or eight courses. You know, I forget what it is now. And then you get the designation. There is no final examination at the end. Mm -hmm. I think in the industry, the CFP is probably the highest designation for comprehensive planning. Um, and then, you know, I do about 40 hours of continuing okay. education to maintain those designations. And then I just finished last month that enrolled agent designation, which is one of the highest designations that the IRS allows for. So I can now represent someone in front of the IRS for a tax audit. I'm allowed to give tax advice, whereas an investment professional before. You're saying it, it, go see someone. Yeah, it's, it's kind of like one of those lines where – there's always this like CYA every investment professional of course. Give, like oh hey I'm going to tell you this tax strategy but you should go talk to your tax mm -hmm. professional and I've been partnering with some tax professionals and I've actually prepared a fair amount of tax returns and for business owners and individuals and you know and I've noticed in the tax space like both in the financial space and in the tax space it's kind of a volume game mm -hmm. um, you got to service a lot of people to make a decent amount of revenue. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to really dedicate the amount of time on every relationship. Mm -hmm. Whereas what I want to do, when I was at Fidelity, I had 1,500 clients. And I was supported by the vast you had arms of Fidelity, right? And somebody had a question at 2 in the morning they could call and somebody at Fidelity would pick up, right? Mm -hmm. but I can't know 1,500 people. Can I build a personal relationship with 1,500? Probably not. The last firm, I serviced about 300 clients, and I wanted to grow. But again, I didn't feel like I could build that like intimate, personal yeah. relationship. So now with Generous Wealth Management, we've kind of built a fluid model. Mm -hmm. And I, my goal is not to build a conglomerate. Mm -hmm. It's to build what we would call like a lifestyle practice, yeah. 
where I can spend as much time as I need to get to know and build like a close, intimate relationship with my clients and be a, a central point of contact. Yeah, one of the things that I was on your website earlier is that you, you know, you talked about the boutique experience. Is right. that exactly it? Yeah, I mean, it's pretty close. And, you know, I think boutique is, is unique, right? It's going to be a more personalized mm-hmm. experience. You're not dialing 1 800 Fidelity. When you, when you dial Generous Wealth Management, you're always going to get a human being. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, you know, you might get an answering service or a voicemail, but you're always going to get a close, personal relationship. Yeah. Um, I met with a client this morning for two hours. We talked very little bit about finances. We were talking about kids and lifestyle mm-hmm. and grandchildren and what they want to accomplish, mm-hmm. right? Like, what what is your goals for the rest of your life? You've done all these things, yeah. right? So the boutique experience is building that, uh, I think, custom solution for everybody right. rather than like, hey, I'm going to put you in this cookie cutter solution mm-hmm. that I have five million other clients in, yeah. right, for some of the big institutions. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. I just feel the industry is a little broken the way that it's been built, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of trying to do it a different way. Mm-hmm. So you're 90 days in, so this might be a difficult question, but what's a typical day like? So right now, you know, I try to reach out to every client, um, especially with market volatility and those type of things. I try to, you know, especially I know the personality traits of a lot of my clients. I'm always trying to proactively mm-hmm. reach out to them. Right now, it's really building um, collaborating with other partners that I work with, whether it's tax offices or legal offices in the area and across the country, and then business development, right? Like, how can I get myself out there? But I'm not trying to grow really fast. I want a select number of people that I'd like to work with, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I want to get to 100 clients. I have 15 right now. So I'm kind of slow and steady. I'm also trying to, with everything that's happened over the last couple of years, like value the moment a mm-hmm. little bit more. Yeah, try to be like there that. more for my kids and my wife and my family. You know, my mother lives with me. My family's in town. So, and be healthier, yeah. right? It's like, quality, not quantity. Yeah, exactly. So you know, the typical day, I'm a little bit of a workaholic. I don't, I don't sleep a lot. Like my clients won't be surprised to get an email from me at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock mm-hmm. at night. So it's, you know, updating my workflows, my activities, any outstanding items, following up with people, mm-hmm. and then reaching out to, you know, anybody who might be in my sphere who is looking for help. Right. Um, what's something the client should know before working with you? They should know that I'm going to do a lot of due diligence, right? I think sitting down with somebody and going through a comprehensive plan is, is not, you know, we're, I always tell people we're not going to solve the world's problems in a day. It's kind of like building a house, right? We're going to take a lot of time in the be- beginning. I'm going to force you and give you homework, and I'm going to have homework mm-hmm. too, right? So we're going to take the time to gather all your material, right? So I'm looking at people's auto insurance, homeowner's insurance. I'm looking at the deed to their house, looking at their investments, looking at their business, what is their entity type, looking at their tax return. It takes a lot of time yeah. to get all that data together. And I would say anybody who's working with me just understands that once you're in my sphere, I'm going to be in touch fairly frequently and regimented because the the goal is to kind of create a plan. Mm -hmm. In the beginning, I spend a lot of time with people trying to coordinate, collaborate, and organize. And at that point, once we get the plan in place, it's kind of getting a regimented schedule in place. Like, hey, I want to plan on connecting 
every 90 days right. or every 180 days. Like, does that work for you? Um, that, and I would say, like, I'm pretty straightforward mm -hmm. with the way that I work with, but I try to build a relationship yeah. first, but I don't like to sugarcoat things. Right. Like, this is how it is. I think the easiest conversations to have are when people have excess. Like, hey, you need to spend more. Mm -hmm. But there's always the instance where it's like, hey, you need to you're spending too much. You're running it. You need to slow down. You can't keep up in this pace. Like, I'm also not um, apprehensive to have the difficult conversations because I feel like as a fiduciary, so every client that comes on board and works with us, we sign a, a client agreement that kind of outlines our role as a fiduciary. Mm -hmm. We put it in writing. And then we outline, you know, the services that people want to take advantage of. And then I think it, our role as a fiduciary kind of obligates us yeah. to be honest yeah. about people's situation, where their weaknesses are, and areas that they could improve. Mm -hmm. Is there an ideal client? I think right now I'm working with a lot of entrepreneurs and people with multifaceted problems or issues, right? Um, I've had a number of people over the years who might have a relative or a parent who passed away and then they inherit a house and they right. inherit assets and they're dealing with all these different professionals, right? So when you have more than one subject matter that you need help with, I think that's where we specialize because we have expertise in so many different fields. Mm -hmm. In the fields that we don't have the expertise in, we have partnerships with people who are in that space. Like, I'm not an attorney. Yeah. I've actually entertained the thought of going to night school and getting a law degree, because that's really the only advice that I can't give right yeah. now. But we have subject matter experts in that space that we can refer yeah. people you, to. You have, a, you have a list that you can go to. Yeah, essentially I try to give people like a list of two or three people and mm -hmm. be like, you know, that's here's good. pros and cons with every relationship. Mm -hmm. You know, this person might cost this, but their turnaround is great. Or, yeah. This person might be more cost-effective, mm -hmm. but it's a one-man shop, right? So, again, giving people options is always my end goal. Right. Um, what separates you from others in your industry? I think the way that we've created our fee structure, right? I think the industry, in my opinion, for the most part, from what I've seen, is that give me your assets. Yeah. Give me your assets, I'll charge you a fee, and I'll do all these things for you. I think our ongoing financial planning, which is either a monthly subscription-based model where people can start and stop it as they see fit, or just a flat fee for service. I, I found a lot of people who have had or liked the idea of like, hey, I'm paying this firm you know, tens of thousands of dollars to manage my money, and I don't understand the difference between when I got to you know, this amount versus this amount. Like, What more are they really doing for me? Whereas like our organization will come in and say like hey well let's figure out what's a fair price and it'll just be a flat price we try to match our pricing and our fee structure to what's in our clients best interest right um, if you're a business owner as an example and you have somebody managing assets for you and they're taking a fee out of the assets mm -hmm. that is not a deductible expense to a business owner okay. but as a consulting fee that could be a deductible expense to a business owner. So, like, I would argue, like, why pay them out of your assets when you have the free cash flow to put it on your credit card? You might get 2% cash back, and you'll get a deduction for it. 
right? So we, we try to match the fee structure mm-hmm. to what's in the best interest of our clients, and we're not – there's not just one solution. Right. Right? We always like to give people an option, right? right? We can work together this way. Mm-hmm. We can work together this way, or we can work together this way. And we can change it year to year, periodically, you know, whenever it need be. Like, we're very fluid in how we've built the organization, and I kind of did that purposely – because in my opinion, I, I think the industry will evolve. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Gen X, Gen Y, Millennials yeah. are m- more adept to, like, subscription-based services right. and things of that nature. Um, so I'm trying to get ahead of that a little bit by building my business that way now and focusing on that, the financial planning, the giving of advice, mm-hmm. and not what I believe is a commoditized yeah. skill set and investment management. So who are the best partners for you? So best partners for me thus far have been attorneys and tax professionals because usually those are the people that, you know, clients are interacting with the most. Um, I have a partnership. I I work with an office uh, out of Norwell um, that I do a lot of work with. And I've got a legal office in Marshfield and that I partner with, but I usually don't call out any single office because I have multiple yeah. that I that I partner with. Um, I would say anyone who's getting overwhelmed with the amount of material that they need to um, assess to get through their year or just to accomplish their goals is usually the best fit. So our biggest partners right now have been you know tax advisors mm-hmm. and legal advisors. So what's the best piece of advice you've been given from a business perspective? That's a good question. The best piece of advice from a business perspective is um, when I was in that family office space, I'll actually never forget this. Like, you know, it was a small group. Fidelity's a huge organization, right? right? Tens of thousands of employees. When we started that business unit, you know, there was 40 employees when I was there. It's now grown into a much bigger organization. But I can remember a lot of the executives who I was close with there. Like, if I could do it all again, I would go out on my own. If you think you have that entrepreneurial niche or spirit, mm-hmm. I'd say you, you have to itch it, like you have to give it yeah. a try. I am happier now and feel freer now than I ever have mm-hmm. because I feel less constrained yeah. than I ever have in the past. So I would say, like, if you have a passion, follow that passion and, and, and follow it through and to, to as far as you can right. till the very last step. Right. What advice would you give to someone that wants to do what you do? I would say, you know, study the material, right? I know, you know, when I got into the industry, a lot of the terms um, I didn't really understand, but I kind of engulfed myself in it, you know, whether it's reading Barron's or the Wall Street Journal or, like, periodicals. You'll start reading these terms and these things, and they don't make sense to you at first, Mm -hmm. but as you repeatedly see them, like, they start coming into context, Mm -hmm. right? I know for me, I just think that, the education, you know, I got all these designations and things to always be honing my craft, so to say. So if you want to focus yourself in an industry like this, Mm -hmm. make sure that you have the knowledge and the subject matter expertise to be able to speak intelligently Mm -hmm. as many facets of it as you can. Mm -hmm. Um, If you were to, if you wanted, if you were going to jump in the time machine to the start of your career, what would you tell yourself? What I did in 2022 in starting Generous Wealth Management, I wish I had started it right out of college 
if I could go back in time and, and do it again. I have no regrets about like my career path. I'm grateful like that it got me here. But I wish I started this right out of the gate, day one. It would have taken longer and it would have been harder to build. But you know, I, I just think the sky's the limit, you know, as as an entrepreneur where you can get to versus um, I always felt a little bit suffocated and constrained mm -hmm. in some of the corporate environments that I was in. Mm -hmm. But also like take it easy. Like I've learned, especially after the last couple of years, everything that's happened, to try to value the moment and not always be wishing for the future. Don't be wishing for tomorrow until I kind of enjoy the moment, enjoy the day. And finally, for those that want to find out more about Generous Wealth Management, where can they go? We have our webpage. It's www.genwealthman, which is short for Generous Wealth Management, so genwealthman.com. Uh, we're on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram. Not my skill set, social media, but we're out there. You know, I kind of, now that I'm an uh, entrepreneur and business owner, I realize that's a good way to, to kind of get your reach. Uh, we can be reached by phone at 781-242-5760 via phone or text. You know, I feel like 2022, I'm trying to, again, another reason I went out on my own, adopt the most common means of communication, right? I think texting is more effective than email and phone calls today. So I've incorporated that into my business model as well. Okay, well, Lee, thank you so much for joining us today. All right, John, I appreciate it. Thank you.